Welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today I'm joined by Taryn Sodi. Taryn is the owner and founder of Conceptual Minds, a full-service strategy firm in Northern Virginia. Uh, if you recall, uh, Taryn Sodi was featured in the June edition of Ratchet and Wrench when we did the branding story, or rather rebranding story, of Weigel Automotive, a Virginia shop with multiple locations. Uh, Taryn's going to talk to us today really about what rebranding is, uh, how it all works, and the process of what shops need to go through in order to either rebrand or refresh their look in order to be more appealing to their customer and to get their message out in a cohesive way. Here's Taryn. Well, hey, Taryn, welcome to Ratchet and Ridge Radio. Hey, Chris. Good to see you, man. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. We uh, got a chance to catch up in Virginia at the uh, Virginia Automobile Association event. That was good to get a chance. To, uh, good to meet you there. Yeah, no, I, I was looking forward to it. So I'm glad I'm glad we connected. Absolutely. So you come to us from Conceptual Minds, which is a full service strategy firm. Uh, tell us about the business. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as you said, we're a full service kind of marketing and strategy uh, business. Uh, our core focus um, is auto repair um, and automotive. And, um, you know, we've uh, we've been around for about seven years now. And, uh, you know, we've taken kind of a slow approach to growing. We've been methodical in how we you know, how we have helped our uh, customers. And, um, you know, today we do everything in marketing for the most part for our clients. So, um, you know, anything from, um, you know, email marketing to uh, website design or optimization to Google ads, um, you know, to print marketing, direct mail, uh, TV, radio creation. So all kinds of wonderful stuff. And of course, branding, you know, which is what we're here to talk about today. Right on. Uh, so how did you get involved in the industry at first? Like, What attracted you to automotive? <laughs> well, uh, I would say it's probably more of an accident. Uh, you know, I, uh, I come from a background of um, planes, trains and automobiles. Um, you know, so I've always been kind of in the transportation sector. And, um, you know, I used to design airports for a living at one point very early in my career. I've been involved with uh, airline operations for United Airlines. Um, and then I got into the startup world um, and, um, you know, in that area, I was involved in an airline startup very early on. Um, and then I was involved in a entertainment distribution startup that was involved um, within the Amtrak network. So, again, it was in that transportation area. And the most recent startup prior to Conceptual Minds that I was involved in was an automotive startup. And that was called Tire Van. And that was the first um, really investor-backed mobile tire installation service business um, you know, that was in the United States. And uh, that's where I kind of got my feet wet, um, you know, in the automotive industry, learned quite a bit about it and the nuances and, uh, you know, how, um, you know, it's so unique. Um, you know, there's some awesome people in the in the business. Um, you know, tires uh, were really complicated, um, you know, and it's not as easy as just, you know, round and black. There's a lot more that goes into it, um, you know. So as I learned about the industry, um, you know, I found kind of fell in love with it, and uh, you know, as they say, kind of get, in, get gets into your veins a little bit, right? So um, you know, as that venture kind of finished off, you know, I ended up getting into consulting, and um, you know, and here we are. Yeah, I always find it interesting how people find their way into the automotive industry. Everyone has such a different story and a different way in. Of course, yeah. You know. <laughs> of course, you could be somebody who just grew up, you know, and you're a third generation, like uh, many of our customers are, you know, or, you know, there is an accidental, you know, move into the industry like mine is. And, uh, you know, 
all the different ways in between. But yeah, you're absolutely right. But it is fascinating. Once people get in, not many people leave. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, people get in here and they completely fall in love with the industry, fall in love with like kind of the passion behind it. And all. I mean, and of course, there's so many really intricate challenges to solve within the industry that it makes it like a like doing a puzzle all the time. For sure. For sure. <laughs> all right. So we collaborated on a story uh, back in the June issue of Ratchet and Wrench with Weigel Automotive, you know, a Virginia shop that you did a rebrand with. Uh, for our audience, can you talk about what people think branding is versus what branding really is? <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> so branding, you know, can have a lot of layers and a lot of phases to it. Um, it's really about, um, you know, I guess one or two different ways to think about it is, is, is it a brand refresh or is it an overhaul of a brand itself? Uh, and that can kind of differentiate things, right? Um, many people think, um, you know, branding uh, is just a, a change of a logo or a change of a color of some kind or what have you. But, you know, that's more on the brand refresh side where you're thinking that, okay, there's an element of your overarching brand or your company, um, you know, that need, needs a shift because it may not be connecting with your customers um, you know, or your audience, or maybe you just don't like it, right? Yourself internally or your organization doesn't like it. Um, a brand, you know, kind of overhaul is way more than that. Um, you know, it really gets into the nuances of, you know, kind of the psycho psychology of the business itself. You know, it's really about what story do you want to tell as a brand? You know, what's your brand's mission? What are your values? You know, uh, what is your company culture like? Um, you know, and who is your current audience? You know, who's your future audience? Maybe, you know, the current audience is just a segment of what you want your future to look like. You know, what do your customers care about? What are your pain points for? What are their pain points? You know, so there's so much that goes into it. And um, it's very psychological in nature. And it's kind of deep thinking stuff, right? It's not as, as simple as, oh, you know, I don't like that color, change it to a light blue to a dark blue or an orange to a black or something like that, right? It's really getting into the nuts and bolts of your business and really getting deep into, you know, where your passions may lie, where your customers' motivations are, et cetera. Yeah, now, the Weigel rebrand was gorgeous. Like, I love what you guys did with that rebrand. I love how bold the colors were, how things stood out. Um, so would you consider that a, a full rebrand or would you consider that a refresh? Yeah, no, that was a full rebrand. Um, you know, in that particular instance, uh, you know, I'm not sure we started off with the idea of a full rebrand. It kind of started off as a refresh, um, you know, where uh, the initial motivation was to update the um, the logo of the business. Uh, the logo of the business was a little complicated, and I know we kind of went over that in the story that was published. You know, they had... Um, you know, blue and white uh, name, uh, the Weigel name was blue and white, and it had like little lines going through the top part of it. So it was a little, you know, hard to see, especially at night. You know, the Weigel name itself, although terrific, you know, it's not particularly, you know, an easy name to pronounce. And when you couldn't see clearly what the name was, because half of the logo was kind of covered in, you know, blinds, um, and nighttime it made it really hard to read it, you know, that was complicated. It just wasn't making the connection with the brand. Um, the other aspect was that the Weigel team, you know, really, um, you know, they're, they're not a huge tire business today. Um, you know, they have an element of tires that they sell, but they're very much a service organization. And their branding was very focused on the Goodyear colors. You know, there's, everything was really Goodyear colors because that's kind of how a lot of these organizations today are. A lot of shops are kind of in the same boat. And as we were talking about, you know, the logo 
you know, there was conversation about, hey, if we wanted to go away from the Goodyear colors and kind of start to create our own persona in the marketplace, you know, we may want to consider changing the colors. And since the Goodyear colors were incorporated into the logo, you know, that became the conversation point. And that's really where we started. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, gone from there. Yeah. And would you mind walking us through that process, basically from the first contact that you had with Waggle through the, through the delivery process? Sure. Um, yeah. So the initial part, you know, and again, we can talk about just the logo component of it and we can, you know, maybe get into the greater part of it. Um, but um, yeah, initially the contact was, hey, we're considering, um, you know, thinking about a logo change potentially. And we'd done some other work for the Weigel team previously as well. Um, we'd done some, um, you know, Google ads for them. Uh, so that was the initial interaction with the business. And as we were looking at the logo, you know, we kind of thought mutually that there was an opportunity to upgrade the logo. You know, the fonts of the logo were dated. Um, you know, it felt like the brand was still in the 1980s. Um, you know, really need to kind of come into the current, um, you know, generation or, you know, call it the 20, you know, 2020s. Um, so the colors were obviously Goodyear colors and there was a thought behind that. You know, the fact that it wasn't a really, um, you know, there wasn't a huge connection with the brand itself from a visual perspective. And since a logo is the first thing that everybody sees, you know, needed to really be impactful. Um, you know, so so we kind of went through a due diligence phase to really figure out, um, you know, what would be the right colors for the business? You know, what were the motivations for the client? Um, in terms of what they want to convey, what kind of feeling do they want to evoke when somebody sees their, you know, sees their logo. Uh, and then we kind of went down the path of creating uh, multiple logo options for the client. And, um, you know, that's what we normally do for everybody. You know, we start off with anywhere from three to six logo designs that are vastly different in design. Some have just a mark in it. Some have a font change in it. Some have a dramatic shift from where they are today. Um, you know, and, um, and we even kind of talk about, you know, the name itself and how it should look, um, you know, and how it's going to look in different things, uh, you know, different uh, presentations. How's it going to look on, you know, a direct mail? How might it look in TV? You know, how might it look on an email, you know, so or the website. So all of that stuff is kind of considered and uh, we go through a process that takes about three to four weeks and um, we can ultimately with the client's insight and feedback you know, we can get to a point where, you know, where we have a logo that everybody's happy with and, um, you know, and kind of move forward on that. And in, in their particular instance, you know, we, we had the opportunity to be a little bit more creative. Um, you know, they're a forward thinking bunch and they're open minded about a lot of things. And, uh, you know, ultimately we ended up with a wrench, um, you know, inside the tire uh, and the wrench was kind of done in a negative space. So, so you actually had to imagine it. You didn't. You could just see it directly, right? Um, you know, if you look at like a FedEx Kinko's logo, FedEx logo is very much like that. It's got an arrow inside of it, um, you know, that doesn't come through initially. You know, it's almost like a little game where you're like, "Oh, look, I just found something." You know, so so that's kind of how we wanted to do it. And for us, it was a long-term vision. So that's the other thing in you know branding work. You know, you really want to take a a as long a vision as possible for your brand to make sure that you have the ability to tweak things that don't allow you to become too dated, for example, um, you know, and also at the same time, allow you some creativity. So we imagine their logo to end up in TV commercials in a, you know, in some or video commercials at some point, and they've never really done TV before, you know, that was like a five-year plan. Um, and we envisioned where we would be able to kind of take a wrench and, 
you know, it, it would have movement and the tire would have a movement and they would get stuck, you know, inside of each other. So that was a long-term vision. And uh, we were able to kind of bring it to life, which was, which was pretty cool, I think. Nah, very cool. Something you, um, that they mentioned and something that you also reiterated was just the, this idea that um, the, the brand wasn't connecting with the customer, right? Like the, the look and feel wasn't connecting with today's customer. Like ultimately, when it comes to branding or refreshing a brand, who is, who's the brand really about? Is the brand really about the company liking and loving the brand and look, or is it really about us connecting with the company? us connected with the consumer having a look that they like and, and and trust well you know i would say you know as a person i love myself right but i but i have to work on making sure that other people like me too and they don't have a very stark you know different opinion of me you know when i'm talking <laughs> to them or when i'm hanging out with them right so a brand is a kind of an outward looking image of the business right so of course you have to in general like yourself and like your brand and like the, you know, like the vision your brand evokes or the mission or the values it has. But the challenge is in how do you communicate that, you know, message? Because it's a very nuanced and intricate message, right? And how do you really do that without talking to everybody? Like, you know, if you're a shop operator, right, and you operate and you meet every one of your clients, you know, and that's your sphere of your customers or your business, well, they're going to get to know you and they're going to understand over time what your values are and what you really care about and all of that stuff, right? But it becomes really challenging for organizations at scale to be able to do that because the owners or the operators cannot be in every location and meet every customer every time, you know, and of course you have employees and, you know, they're going to be kind of your champions, but they not be able, they may not convey your vision or your morals or your values, you know, as effectively as you may do it yourself, right? So what can you do through imagery and colors and typography, like fonts and everything like that, that really creates that feeling for that customer? You know, that's really what it's about. So you really do have to keep your customer in mind, you know, when you're thinking about all these things. And of course, you know, extend it a little bit further. Um, you know, if you're really truly trying to make a connection with your customer, you know, you really have to think about images, you know, um, in, you know, like, for example, as we went into this Weigel rebrand and we became a full scale rebrand, you know, we thought about every nuance you can imagine. You know, what do the posters look like on the wall? Um, you know, what's the signage look like? What about the drop boxes? Um, you know, what about the uniforms of the employees? What about the email signature? What about the website? You know, so. There's so much that you get. What about the wrapping of the vehicle, you know, that they have as a loaner vehicle, for example. So it really is about, you know, extending that brand into every element and fabric of the business and being able to convey your, you know, your personal brand motivations, morals, missions, values, culture, you know, through that messaging. Okay. Um, and so how important would you say visibility is? You know, you talked about putting it on smaller things like maybe shirts or business cards or billboards. Like how important is it for shop owners to understand, you know, in that creative process, you know, to avoid things that distract in terms of the, that affect visibility? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the whole point of creating this brand and this image is so you can show it to people, right? You can show showcase it. So visibility is critical. Right. Um, you know, and you want to the biggest thing is, you know, to be frank, I think every, I think most shop owners and operators understand that they have to have their logo on things. You know, uh, they have to have, you know, certain elements of a brand on their marketing message, for example. 
The question really is, have they taken advantage of every opportunity that is out there for them? Because that's sometimes where the opportunity is missed. Um, you know, we talk to, you know, operators all the time who love seeing a big logo of their business on the direct mail. You know, that's the number one feedback we get in every design we do. Hey, can you make my logo twice as big as what it is? You know, that and, you know, we say, hey, this, there's a there's a, you know, um, there's a rule to that, you know, as to make sure that how big the logo should be, how big the font of the text should be and everything like that. Right. Um, but a lot of times shop owners miss the opportunities to do the same thing, you know, in other areas, you know, so. For example, your in-store posters, right? You know, do they really convey, you know, your values, your mission, your differentiators, for example? Um, you know, like for the Weigel rebrand, you know, we'll kind of continue to stay on their theme. You know, we we made sure that when when you put the posters in, you know, we, we actually observed their employees and their interaction. You know, we had a team that actually sat in their stores for a week and just listen to the interactions to really figure out what kind of interaction they were having, how happy were customers when they're walking out, you know? And this is not serving, you know, physical serving, but, you know, it's actually just being a fly on the wall and listening. And we noticed there were two or three themes that were consistent. You know, they had this motivation that they wanted to talk about, you know, this, um, uh, this differentiator that they have in the DC Metro marketplace where they will pick up your car at, for free and bring it, you know, to the shop and fix it and bring it back to you at your home or work for free, right? That's a differentiator that most of the organizations weren't offering, uh, especially pre-COVID, right? You know, in COVID, this became a little bit more popular, but, you know, pre-COVID, this wasn't the case. And we wanted to get that message out there. So we created a poster that really talked about that. Um, you know, we also made sure, you know, in that branding itself, we actually took the images of the actual employees and incorporated them into the into the poster itself. Um, you know, we even looked at the demographics of the store. Um, you know, and said, okay, what you know demographic shows up in this shop versus another shop? So there are some shops that are in predominantly African American neighborhoods, and those posters actually had African American employees to connect with the customer. Whereas you know, in other shops, it was actually same message, but the background was different with the imagery. So we truly made sure that not only their values or their differentiators were being communicated where their employees were missing the opportunity, but we also wanted to make sure their customers felt welcome when they came into the store. Because, you know, I think a lot of people can attest to it. You know, I'm an Indian background, right? I would love to see my kind of people, you know, on the walls when I'm coming into it. Or if you're in an Indian neighborhood, but every, you know, every poster is with, you know, non-Indian person in it. You know, that doesn't give me the, the, the warm and fuzzy or the connection. You know, I want to feel like I'm in my place, right? And that's kind of what we were trying to do psychologically for them. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of perspective. No, that's strong because I was going to ask you about, you know, the, the power of messaging and how you guys work with, you know, your, your customers with messaging. And I think you nailed it. Like really just that messaging has to be specific to the customer, you know, and that you guys, you know, you talked about spending time in the auto repair shop, hearing the actual conversations, putting the actual people on the posters. I think that's really strong. And I don't think that people associate that with a, with branding. They're just that, hey, my brand needs to connect with all aspects of, of the demographics that I serve. Yeah. And think about it. Right. And that was a pain point question. What's the number one pain point in auto repair? It's the wait times. You know, everybody as a consumer complains about the wait times. Right. 
You know, so, okay, well, if I'm sitting in a shop and I'm frustrated because you're taking too long to fix my car and there's a nice poster that you're looking at there that says, hey, you know what? We pick up your car and drop it off for free. You know, you don't need to be waiting here. Wow. That's really the right time to communicate with that customer because they're at the height of their pain point. Right. And and that's kind of what you want to do with your messaging. Um, you know, and it depends on where you are and where this message is going to be shown. But the, the goal and the objective always is, you know, and, and did your did their employee talk about this? Oh, their employee didn't notice it. Right. They missed it that this customer has been sitting there for two and a half hours, you know, and maybe somebody should just tell them, hey, we had a free shuttle. And that was a message that was being missed. So we wanted to make sure, you know, that was conveyed. So, you know, pain points, identifying those pain points and then articulating those pain points at the right time, at the right place. That's the magic of marketing and branding. Uh, right. And, and that requires a true understanding of your customer experience at a basic, very basic level and an intricate level. And then, you know, communicating that. Yeah, I like that. It's almost like having visual FAQs on the wall, you know, <laughs> in totally. a lot of ways. You know, same thing, you know, their, their team was like, again, they're not tire focused as a, as a business versus some of the other, you know, companies that are out there, right? So sometimes the warranty component wasn't being, you know, conveyed fully, right? Or a price match guarantee. So we had a price match poster that we created, um, you know, that talks about that. One market, you know, has, a, you know, so, and again, this is really understanding your, you know, your business at a, at a local level, you know, they have a store that's actually where there's a lot of young professionals that operate, you know, close to that store. So our objective was how do we connect with this young professional, you know, that wants to get their car repair? So the biggest thing that's happening, you know, and, and what's the other complaint that people always talk about? The coffee in auto shops is like old and not so delicious, right? So what did we do? You know, the biggest movement in the coffee area for the last five years has been actually cold brew coffee. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. So we actually installed, um, we recommended an installation of a free-flowing cold brew coffee. You just come in and you just pour. It's like a bar, right? So we created like a little coffee bar and we have a cold brew coffee that, you know, that, that served to the clients. They, it's self-serve and it's like a free pour coffee, right? That was a message that we conveyed. We created another message that, you know, I think young people today, you know, care a lot about the environment. You know, we actually created a message about green and what Weigel Team does, you know, to be green in the marketplace. So, again, really understanding your population, your dynamic. And this didn't need to be done at every store, you know, because the demo was different from one store to the other. But this has been a hit, like the cold brew coffee. People love it. You know, the fact that they talk about, you know, how they're being green as an as an auto shop and what their morals and values are around the environment. You know, that audience loves it fastest growing store in their marketplace right now. Yeah, no, I, th I love that. I love the fact that, you know, you're, you're really expounding on the fact that branding is so much more than just the aesthetic. It's much deeper than the look. Absolutely. I mean, it has to be pretty because if it isn't pretty, right. you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like if I didn't dress well for this interview today and I was looking like a little scrub, you know, you might tr have turned me off already. Like if you're the audience, right? You do have to have that visual appeal, you know, and hopefully people think that I'm, actually average looking so they're still watching right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah there has to be some visual appeal there right to be able to hook the person in but it's almost i, I use dating analogies all the time right you know you have to be dressed for the date you have to look well you know mm -hmm. it's the same thing for a meeting you know or an interview you know but at some point it becomes about substance and the substance has to be conveyed you know for you to differentiate because the 
the reality in the auto repair arena is it's highly saturated. Everybody's competing on price. You know, Weigel Automotive does not compete on price. You know, they compete on quality of service. They compete on all these differentiators that have been conveyed and created. And there's a reason why they're growing in a market where a lot of other competition is having a really hard time growing today, right? You know, they've, they've more than doubled their business in less than three years. Yeah. They haven't added a, sec- added a new location. So for shop owners who are, you know, thinking of branding or rebranding or refreshing, how do they determine their need? Like, wh- at what point do they say, you know, this, this probably needs to be redone? Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question, right? Um, you know, I think... To me, if you're a if you're a tire focused entity, right, and you're selling a lot of tires in your marketplace today, you know, and the reality is that many of the tire brands are starting to go direct to market, right, and um, and you know, let's take Goodyear for example. You know, Goodyear is a terrific brand, you know, but they are now starting to go a little bit direct to market and direct to consumer. Uh, and the question really is, you know, are, you know, are the retail shops truly getting the benefit of the Goodyear brand if they're branded in that way? Um, you know, the other thing is there's this movement in the audience or in the customer base where, you know, people are really looking to do business with locally owned and locally operated businesses. Um, and, um, you know, and do you have your own personality as a business? If you're known as a Goodyear store, you don't have a personality. People don't know whether you are, you know, company A versus company B versus company C. They're just looking at you as an extension of the Goodyear brand. So you have to kind of create a differentiator. You know, acquisitions is a lot of times the right time to kind of think about branding. Um, you know, do I want to have the brand represented as the way it's been acquired? You know, or do I want to bring it into my own fold as my brand? Um, you know, it really depends on, you know, how well known the brand is in the market that you're purchasing and how loyal is that customer base, you know, at the very fundamental level, you know, to really think about that transition. You know, given the M&A that's happening in the market, you know, um, you know, that's a consideration that people should take, you know, and. If you're that organization that really feels that you're truly just competing on price and you're just not differentiated or you don't have a connection with your audience in a way that they're truly loyal to you, you know, if your repeat buy is not really that high, you know, if everybody, you know, kind of says the same story, you know, that's a time to kind of think about, do I want to separate myself from the pack? Because the truth is, if you do separate yourself from the pack, you know, you're going to see a true long-term benefit of this, um, you know, and you are going to see, you know, multi-year growth patterns that you can enjoy, you know, because you you now stand out and you have something good to say, something different to say, and people are liking what you're saying. Okay. No, I'm glad you hit on the multi-shop owner thing, because I was actually going to ask you, you know, if I, if I acquire a shop that, you know, let's say it has a really great reputation, you know, people have been there, they're loyal customers. Do I, you know, absorb it into my new brand, into my current brand, or do I leave it alone? Yeah, and you know, and it's it's um it's situational. So I wish I could say there's one rule to it all. Um, you know, if you have 50 stores and you have a great reputation for those 50 stores, and you're buying one store, you know, maybe that's a or, you know one or two stores, maybe that's a different conversation. But if you're an organization that has two or three stores and you acquired one more store, you know, that may be a, a greater you know thought process to say, do I want to leave it you know leave it where it is? It's also about 
you know, is the model the same, right? You know, you may be operating an organization that's, you know, um, any car, I'll fix, repair any car, right? But you buy a shop that's highly focused on, let's say, you know, uh, European models, right? Um, and if, if there's a differentiation in operation, you may want to leave the name, you know, or the, the branding the way it is, especially if the organization is well known. Now, if you end up buying, you know, a store for a location and, you know, the opportunity and their reputation is not good, we'll change it as quickly as possible. Right, right. So, of course, there's a lot of energy that goes into the launch of the rebrand. Like, how do you coach, you know, how do you coach your customers on really putting their best foot forward and introducing that fresh rebrand to the customer? Yeah, of course. You know, obviously, I think if you can actually keep your customers, you know, not all customers, but maybe say, you know, your top 5% of your customers, right? Engage them. People love giving opinions, you know, take their opinions, right? You know, reach out to them, you know, and say, hey, you know, we're thinking about, you know, which, which logo do you like better, A or B, if you created a logo, you know, and you could do like a quick social media, you know, survey, you know, or send an email with a little survey for people if you really want to keep it, you know, hidden at the time, you know, so you can just reach out to, you know, the top 5% of your customer base. You know, if you have a small shop, you know, people come in all the time, your most loyal customer, just show the tone. Say, hey, I'm just getting some input, you know, or what have you. Um, so the more you can engage your customers through the process, because, Chris, one thing is important to note is if you're doing a full rebrand, this is not going to be done in a month, right? It is a significant undertaking, um, you know, time. You know, you do want to do some due diligence on your, you know, customer base and their motivations. You really want to look inside and say, you know, what is what do my employees care about? What do I care about? What are my morals? What are my values? You know, what do I really want to articulate? You know, because that's my differentiator versus every other shop. So that takes a little bit of time. Um, you know, and then it's about the cost component, right? You know, you want to change all the signage in a store. Well, it's going to cost a little bit of money, right? You know, so so that may take a little while to roll out. And, you know, there's an opportunity along the way to really engage your audience. Hey, you know, which fonts do you like better? Which colors do you like better? Hey, you know, we're creating this uh, store, internal store design. You know, do you like design A, B, or C? Which one, which one do you think really resonates with you? Right. So you can keep your clients, you know, some portion of your customers, you know, with it through the process. And then it's really about, take, you know, once you've kind of come to a final finality on many of these things, you know, you want to then roll it out into every one of these areas that we were talking about, you know, together. Right. So show a kind of um, um, consistent, um, you know, effort towards getting this out there. Put it on your email at the same time, put it on your website at the same time, put it on your storefront at the same time, put in your direct mail, you know, at the same time, put in your social media at the same time. You know, the more concentrated you can be, the more tactical you can be and roll it out as a, as a uh, consistent theme over a period of time. And that's the other thing, you know, on average, people come to an auto shop once every five and a half months. You know, so you may not see a customer, you know, for five and a half months and a minimum. In some cases, it may be, you know, 10 months to 12 months, you know, before you see them. So this activity and this effort, probably, you know, the communication component and really getting the word out may take as much as a year to two years before you really start to see, you know, this kind of, you know, getting ingrained in the marketplace a little bit. Okay. So it definitely takes some foresight. <laughs> foresight, planning, and mm -hmm. consistency. 
right? A lot of times people are like, hey, I sent out two emails or this month, you know, I made this effort. Well, it's not enough, you know, an average, average, you know, what's the average open rate on an email? 17%, right? So that means that 83% of your people didn't read that email, right? That customer base that didn't read that email. So, you know, it does take time. It does take consistency. You want to hit them in different places, you know, so it starts to really resonate with them. And over a period of time, you'll really see, you know, this, this becoming a strong behemoth and really start to take hold. And, you know, two, three, four years down the road, you know, you'll start to see people really take, you know, um, if they start connecting with the brand, you know, you'll see an engagement improve. And this is kind of the results component of it, right? You know, you'll see the engagement kind of start to increase in your social media properties. Um, you know, you'll start to see more cars coming in, the repeat buy rates going up, you know, the referral component will start to increase, um, you know, because you're really starting to connect with this, you know, marketplace that's greater than just your customers now. Right. And that's something I actually wanted to talk to you about was just, you know, measuring the effectiveness of the rebrands you work on. Talk about that a little bit, would you? Ta- yeah, exactly. Right. Growth rate increase. Right. That That's really what it's about. Right. You know, are you seeing because I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, this is pretty as basic as it gets. Right. You know, we're all in the business to make money. And, you know, one day the shop owner is not going to wake up and go, I want to do a rebrand because it's not going to make me any money. Right. Nobody ever says that. Right. It's uh, the fundamental motivation is to ultimately make more money. And I just think that it's all about making a connection right with people. The stronger the connection you can make, the more loyal they are going to be to you. You know, and it's no different than any other relationship we make in life. Right. You know, if I didn't have a good, you know, good first meeting with you, maybe you wouldn't have called me to talk about this today. Right. You know, so hopefully I made a good connection or a good, you know, good impression. And here we are having this conversation, um, you know, about branding itself. Uh, right. So over time, you're going to make these strong connections and, you know, people can relate to you. I think it's a lot to be said about, you know, organizations that are local or regional in scale. You know, a lot of times you never get to meet the owners, um, you know, and the question really is, can can I, um, you know, can I um, make a connection with this person without ever meeting them? Right. So can I tell my family story, for example? Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Very recently, you know, we did a uh, Weigel Automotive, um, just a little social media thing. You know, they have a great family recipe of um, pecan pie or other people call it pecan pie, right? Depends on where you are in the country. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, they're they're very proud of it. Every meeting I end up in, every third meeting, I feel like, you know, I get pecan pie. I'm like, obviously people need to know about this, right? So on pecan pie day, we actually sent out an email, you know, that was branded with the family, you know, their grandmother whose recipe it was. And we actually shared the recipe with the customers. It had nothing to do with buying auto repair, you know, but it was everything to do with making a connection with the family. I can't tell you, you know, the response we got. It was fantastic. The customers are like, oh, my God, thanks for sharing this recipe. This is so cool. This is so awesome, right? They're going to remember that. You could have emailed them 154 times about the, you know, the oil change offer you're running. That's not going to make a connection. The connection is made at a fundamental human level because, again, no matter how much AI you bring into it, everybody is still trying to connect with humans, right? So you have to have a human connection in this and you really have to make sure that they really are starting to like the person, the family, the business. And now you can actually charge more. 
it's amazing. People are always like, oh my God, I got to charge the least amount of money because they're going someplace else. Man, I'll tell you, if I like you, I will give you five more dollars and not think about it, right? So Wigel Automotive runs at a premium pricing because we've been able to create this fundamental fabric connection with their customers. And the customers are like, oh, this family does so much good stuff in the neighborhood and they are such great people. Oh, they're so awesome. Why would I not spend a little bit more money to support this local business? That's where we want to take the business to. That's yeah. marketing. Yeah. And it goes back to that fundamental thing of people buy from those they like, they know, and who they trust. That, that's exactly right, right? And it takes a lot more than just, you know, price, 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 um, you know, to really create that connection, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, branding is so much more psychological is, you know, really what I would say at the end of the day. And you want to find very many different ways to get into the psyche of your customer. And there's so many cool ways to do this. You know, it's not just limited to changing the colors and changing the logo. Yeah. Funny story was I was out with my son. We went to the grocery store and he's a scout. And so we go there and the scouts are out there and they're, the boy scouts are out there and they're selling popcorn. And of course, they're the bag of popcorn. It's like, what, a 10 ounce bag of popcorn, but it's like 20 bucks, right? I would not, I would never buy that in the grocery store. But because it was the scouts and because I have a connection to the scouts, I paid the 20 bucks for the popcorn. So yeah. kind, of, kind of to what you were saying, like, you know, when people like and trust your shop, price is, it goes out the window. Absolutely. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. You know, if you're just like, you know, just out of the realm of possibility, you know, there, there is the elasticity to price, right? Yes. And you can say, okay, I can be, you know, in this range and I'm going to be okay. You know, as long as you play in that range and you're making that connection, you're going to be fine, right? Yeah. You know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, same thing, right? Girl Scouts cookies sell like hotcakes, right? You know, there's a reason for it. I don't know. My wife buys like 100 boxes <laughs> a year. And we eat maybe one, right? So, so we, you know, we donate a lot of those, but we support the cause, right? So, because we like and we care and we know it's well intended and we know it's going to a good cause. So, a lot of times people will spend the money for the cause or for the support of an organization or an individual that's ethically doing the right things. Right on. So in this day and age, you know, design trends seem to change you know, every five to 10 years, you know, for a shop, you know, how often do you recommend that they at least perform a refresh so they don't look outdated within the next five to 10 years? Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I wish there was a rule to this. You know, a lot of this really depends on, um, you know, where you are in your cycle and, and in what part of the cycle did you actually do your brand, you know, refresh or a full rebranding uh, or, you know, how long have you been around kind of, you know, the Weigel Automotive team, you know, they, they've been around for like, you know, 30 some years. Right. And they hadn't really done a refresh on their brand in like that time period. Right. So, so they were, they were overdue by only like two decades probably, but you know, they, they really needed to kind of get working on that. Right. Um, I'll give you, you know, an example, you know, go, go look at, or maybe if you get a chance, you know, um, I'm sure you can find a case study on um, uh, Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks is a great example of a logo that's evolved over time that most people will never know you know, as to how it's even changed because it's been such a slow maturation. Um, if you look at the Starbucks logo in its original inception, it was an entire mermaid. Uh, and over a period of time, they've slowly narrowed down, narrowed down, narrowed down, narrowed down. And now it's just the, uh, you know, the top quarter of the mermaid that's on the on the logo itself. You know, so it's been a, you know, I don't know, 40 year, 50 year, you know, maturation of that logo. I would say every five to 10 years, 
you know, take a look at your brand. You know, if you're feel, starting to feel dated, old, tired, um, you know, that's a time to kind of think about things. Um, you know, font preferences changes, you know, regularly. Uh, color preferences can change, you know, periodically. Um, you know, this transition away from like one brand of Goodyear, for example, to something that's your own persona is an example of that because the market dynamics are changing, um, you know, in the auto repair industry. That's kind of how I would think about it. Um, you know, your kids are a great example. Right. You know, ask your kids, you know, is this cool or not? If it's not cool, maybe it's time to look at it. Yeah. And it's it's wild because there's a whole psychology behind just even color palettes and color choices and what each color means and represents oh, to the to the marketplace. So there's so much to branding. But thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you today. Oh, yeah. No worries at all. Hopefully, you know, your uh, your audience will find this of value. And of course, you know, if we can be of help in any way, whether, you know, they just want to spitball some ideas, you know, or, you know, just have a, a greater vision, uh, you know, we're happy to happy to, um, you know, try and help. Absolutely. And we'll put a link to your business in the show notes, as well as the uh, callback to the story that we mentioned earlier. Okay. Yeah, Bible, great. So. We truly appreciate it. All right. Phenomenal. Well, it's been great talking to you, Taryn, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Sounds good, Chris. All right. Thanks. Bye. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.